This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast, episode 30. My name is Ben Stanfield, at Ben Stanners from Twitter, and this is the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints. Adam is away enjoying a break over the international fixtures, but I'm delighted to say we're joined by Lucy Heiner and Aidan Small instead. Lucy has been on the podcast a couple of times before and is always warmly received by our listeners. I know you were due to come on with Steve and Adam to talk about Mark Hughes, Lucy, but we're one well, so you're feeling a bit better now? Yes, I'm feeling very good. Um, an international break has been a lovely rest, and mm. I haven't had to worry about football. Brilliant. I know, I know. It's, it's been a little bit boring, but on the other hand, it has been very relaxing, hasn't it? It's incredible. I, I looked at the um, Saints Twitter feed earlier today, and I think there was about five tweets today, and then the rest were sort of saying 17 hours ago. And 18, I mean, there's literally no one's been on the feed. It's just been, I think everyone's just having a break from it, really, aren't they? It's been nice. Yeah, not having to worry. It's, 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 a, it's a good feeling, and I didn't even watch England, although I hear I should have probably watched it, because we were all right, apparently. But, oh, um right. No, but it was, it's good to get away from football for a bit. Absolutely. I've got to say, I was watching Sport Relief, which I uh, I can't say I found that particularly entertaining, but obviously the cause is very, very important. But uh, yeah, I, I don't tend to watch England these days. But there we go. Anyway, that's uh, a podcast for another day. Um, Aidan is the owner of Fresh Saints, at Fresh Saints on Twitter, and has previously featured with stories and articles about Saints on sites, including at Mail Sport and at Yahoo Sports. Not only that, he once enjoyed, and I'm going to say that loosely, Aidan, uh, <laughs> un- undertaking work experience at the Daily Echo under the stewardship of our very own Adam Leach. So, Aidan, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. Work experience with Adam Leach, eh? How long ago was that? That was uh, in my first year of college. Um, managed to bag a, a nice little placement at the Echo, a yeah. uh, week-long placement, um, and went in and met Adam on the first day. And to be fair to him, uh, very welcoming, really right. nice guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was He's a not here, help. he can't hear you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So there, was, there was a there was a couple others. I won't name names that maybe weren't as helpful. But Adam yeah. was very helpful. Was he? Did he um, have his own yeah. office? Oh no, he didn't. No, we're all, all in one little section. You've all got your sports desk around you. Yeah. And uh, I was actually sat next to Adam for a few days. He had his work head on, so a lot of the time yeah. I, I imagine I was a bit of an inconvenient seventeen-year-old, yeah. not much help at times. But you know, he was he was very welcoming. 
Good. And, and just making in cups of tea and things like that, I imagine. Yeah, just <laughs> doing all the basic stuff. Yeah. No, no, it was, it, was, it was all enjoyable. Yeah, and what, what sort of, so I know you said it was obviously um, when you were at college there, so what sort of period of um, Saints history was that? Do you remember, I mean, was it a particularly good phase they were going through, or was it uh, sort of one of those perennial struggles, or...? Uh... Yeah, I think well, I think I believe it was Coleman's first season. Oh right. So I mean, I was in for a right treat. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a good time for football. Um, and if it, even if it wasn't that, then it was uh, the tail end of Pochettino. Yeah. So I mean, you know, hardly a poor time in our recent history. Absolutely, absolutely no. Well, I I know joking aside, I always give him a bit of stick, but I know he does um, he does spend a lot of time with grads and uh, lecturing and uh, work experience. And I know I was at Barton Peveril College with him when he uh, got his um, work experience through the college at uh, the Daily Echo when he first started his career. So joking aside, I know he does put a lot of time and effort into uh, trying to help people with uh, work experience and all those sort of things because uh, I know he's come through that route as well. But that's probably enough ego massaging for now. Um, it's, a yeah, pleasure, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you both on this week. Um, in episode 30 we're going to take a look back at last weekend's tough cup success up at Wigan in the FA Cup quarter final. We'll chat through some club record breaking financial results and finally look ahead to arguably the biggest game of Saints season although we seem to say that every week away to West Ham next weekend. This is Total Saints Podcast. Saints won through to an FA Cup semi-final versus Chelsea at Wembley on 22nd of April thanks to a half-fought 2-0 win at League One promotion hopefuls Wigan Athletic last weekend in what was Mark Hughes' first game as Saints manager. Lucy, a bit of a game of two halves, what with Wigan having the best of the first half, but Saints riding their luck and then showing a lot more desire and class in the second half. What did you make of it overall? Um, yeah, the second half was really positive. First half, I was really worried because it didn't really seem to be any different from what we'd seen before. They seemed low on confidence. They were moving the ball really slowly, um, sitting quite deep. And I think that played into Wigan's hands. And also, 4-4-2 at times seemed not to be working at all. We seemed to cut out midfield a lot and kind of punt aimless balls. Wigan had huge centre-backs and it was a bit worrying, really. And I, I kind of wondered what Hughes had told them to do yeah. um, but in the second half he clearly told them to kind of sort themselves out um, we passed the ball with more pace and and more intent and, and it looked looked good and I thought in the end you know we did deserve to win because we were the ones that were actually having decent efforts on goal and for all Wigan's threat in the first half and, and you know they had a lot of corners didn't they um, but they didn't really threaten threaten the goal in the way we were able to in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. The commentators seem to be uh, quite enjoyably informing us every two minutes of what the uh, corner count was, which was interesting. But yeah, I mean, if you think about Gabbiadini's clear through chance and then obviously his penalty, bless him. I mean, it could have been four nil, which would have been very very flattering. But what I mean, what did you make of Aiden? Because obviously there was quite tough conditions as well. I mean, the pitch was a bit bit more like an allotment, and obviously the wind was pretty bad as well. So it was a, a proper challenge for Saints. Yeah, I think the, the first half, it was always going to be, I think, a bit of a difficult game to kind of go into. Mark Hughes hadn't been working with the squad that long at that time. Um, going in for a new formation, and regardless of how it does turn out, sometimes there can be some, some teething problems. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're facing a, a League One side. And a lot of people might try and, you know, throw a bit of dirt on that. But let's not forget, you know, they've knocked out numerous Premier League teams. And in the Cups over the over the last 12 months, I think they've knocked out four other Premier League sides. Mm. Um so it's one of the, I mean, you can only beat what's power in front of you. And as you said, you know, we didn't particularly let them have any big chances in the first half, albeit it was a, a bit of a woeful performance um, in that first half. But I'd, I'd just love to hear what Mark Hughes said in, in that halftime team talk. I'd love to know if it was a, 
you know, an arm around the shoulders kind of job and, and, you know, maybe just leaving them in a bit of silence to actually think about it or whether it was a rocket up the arse kind of treatment, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, which is really interesting. But, the, you know, the second half, it was many encouraging signs, um, just little things that just wouldn't have happened under Pellegrino, little things like Cedric bombing on in the 91st minute um, at, at the left wing, um, little things like the, the Redmond substitution in the 65th minute whilst we're, we're already 1-0 up. Um, I don't think I can recall many times that, that Pellegrino had done that. And I mean, it's only the first game, so I don't particularly want to get carried away. But there's some positive signs there, um, and especially the way that, you know, Hoiberg spoke in the, in, in the post-match uh, interview um, about the intensity and, and just the, the respect that he commands. Yeah. Um, kind of showed me that, that he really, sh- you know, proved that to the players at halftime. Um, yeah. and, and as we saw, we, we got the result and, and performance was encouraging. You know, the Saints... I think the majority of the Southampton fan base has been given a real boost from that second half performance. I think what was really good, kind of going off what Aidan said, is that we saw evidence of Mark Hughes really managing a game um, mm. and trying to have a positive influence. Whereas I think a lot of the time under Pellegrino, the great frustration was that even when we started slowly, he didn't really seem to know how to respond. Um, I don't remember a time where a half-time team talk seemed to have such an influence under Pellegrino as it did in that Wigan game. Mm. And it was just really nice that at 1-0, I think Pellegrino would have sat off mm. and played quite negative football and just hoped to play out for the win. Whereas we saw, as you said, with that Redmond substitution, that he was intent on kind of carrying things on and building momentum and, and trying to be confident and play on the front foot. Yeah. And, and you know, I thought that was, that was really good. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if you look at the, the second half as a whole, I mean, I can't remember, maybe up until that, that 4-1 win over Everton, when was the last time we created four clear-cut chances that we did in that game? You know, the two goals, the penalty, the Gabbiadini sitter. Mm. I, I genuinely, for the life of me, can't recall the last time we had four clear chances like that. And I, again, you know, it is League One opposition, but you've still got to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think the rest of the squad will take a bit of a boost in that already. Yeah. And Lucy, you and I were both at Newcastle. I mean, you saw more of the game than I did, I think. But uh, I, I guess my view was almost that it was a bit of a hangover for that. But may, maybe in terms of Hughes getting to know the team and getting to know what they're about, actually, maybe that was a positive, which sounds really weird, that if they come out and been fantastic, he might have thought, oh, this is fine, everything's under control. But actually almost having that opportunity to see them pretty much at their worst, and it was a bit of a hangover, may- maybe means that he can go into the halftime. Um, you know, Pellegrino was still speaking about learning and growing and all those sort of things after 30 games. I mean, it took Mark Hughes 15 minutes, really, to kick him up the backside, as Aidan said, and actually maybe over the longer term, that'll be a good thing that he, he witnessed that first 45 minutes. Yeah, and I think it will, even if we show improvement against West Ham, which we'll, you know, we'll have to keep doing, there's always, I think there's a good warning for Hughes that if you, if you don't keep these players playing with intensity and pace, I think things can look really pear-shaped quite quickly. Mm. But no, I think what he was able to do in such a short space of time, and I think that's what um, will be really important over this international break, is that he's going to have a lot of time to spend with the players, whereas this was very much scrambled together in a very quick period of time and if you know with that time will he now be able to to kind of push things along and and maybe get things working in in a manner that he's happy with and I thought actually um in terms of quick impact just our organization on set pieces was much better he seemed to get players a moving better at corners because I felt a lot of times we were caught flat-footed defending corners under Pellegrino um he seemed to have worked out marking systems better um we didn't look as vulnerable despite 
the fact we conceded so many. Mm. And we looked more threatening off our own corners, I thought, as well, um, mm. in terms of pinning their defenders and things. So yeah. there are clearly quick impacts you can have. Yeah. But I would assume over the next couple of weeks there will be more intricate, sophisticated impacts as well. Indeed. Look, before we go on, you always uh, as a go at me if I don't mention it. So for those that were listening to Total Saints podcast episode 28, Adam Leach said that Southampton would win 2-0. So 17 <laughs> points to him in the Prediction League. Um, again, I don't want to dwell on it too much. But uh, <laughs> look, um, two players that scored their first goals for the club, Lucy. Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. I know you're a big fan of him like I am. Swedrick Sraz as well. So it was good to see um, both of them finally get on the score sheet. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um not really players you expect to score, so I know the fact they haven't scored before wasn't that surprising. Um, but I think the goal was a great reward for um, Hoybier's kind of effort and commitment to the cause, maybe at times when other players had gone missing. I'm not sure he always played the best, but he always seemed to have like a positive mental attitude or whatever you want to call it. Like um, He really wanted to make a positive impact for the team. And let's not forget, at the beginning of this season, he was a long way off starting football games you know he seemed to have been ostracized he seemed to be on the on the edge of things and only really through injury did he get his opportunity and I think it's brilliant that he's been able to seize that opportunity and and kind of carve his own niche here and Mm. I think it's a great representation of how well he's done in the fact that when most Saints fans talk about their first 11s, he's generally in it now. Yep, yeah, he'd be in mind, definitely. And uh, look, I mean, I mean, I know Pellegrino obviously deserves some credit. He he won the first three games. He's obviously helped us to get to Wembley. And um, certainly in terms of Wigan, you know, obviously beating West Ham, Bournemouth, Man City, they'd obviously had a, a good cut run. And I think most Saints fans had a very good experience up there and wished them all the, the best with trying to get promotion out of League One. Just in terms of Mark Hughes, Aidan, I mean, obviously numerous Saints fans, myself included, Lucy Adam, not lots and lots of Saints fans, I think, were sort of clinging to the hope that Saints would eventually change Pellegrino because it clearly wasn't working. But just in terms of Mark Hughes, what did you make of his appointment and what do you think he can hopefully bring to, to Saints over these, what, eight Premier League games to go? The, the one thing where many people are assessing Mark Hughes and, and whether he's the right fit for Saints, I think the biggest thing that people do forget is that this is an appointment for eight games yeah. and it's not an appointment for three seasons long uh, and it's not even, not even an in, uh, one season. Um, the amount of replies that you know we've maybe seen from Stoke fans online or QPR fans saying that you know he can he can start well and build the team well and then it all comes crumbling down. Well, I've got to be honest, I don't I couldn't care less. There's a, yep. we've got eight games to play, so there's not time to, for it to crumble down. Yep. Um, we need the big instant impact, um, and I think largely the boosts that we need to be going after are psychological boosts. Um, we want the squad to get that confidence, that belief in themselves again. Um, because to be honest, if we can get even 70% or 80% out of our players that we've got um, and the quality that we've got, we're, we're more than capable of staying up. Mm. It, I, I'd just like to see basic organisation from Hughes. Um, and, you know, when you look at his Stoke record for those first three years where he, he picked up ninth place three years running, following seasons of Pulis reaching them, I, I believe, 15th, 13th and 12th. Um, and you look across his managerial career, and it's it's really not as bad as many suggest. He's had a couple of poor stints at Fulham and, and QPR, but you look either side of the managers that have come in and out, and, and it was awful there mm. um, with, with the managers that came before and after, and that the owners were, you know, it was a dodgy situation there. Um, so I kind of think that it's a nice understanding between the manager and the club. I feel like both sides really understand what they're getting out of this. And it's, it's a big chance for Hughes to prove himself as well. And, you know... It's not the most encouraging appointment, 
but I certainly wouldn't throw it in maybe the same bracket as a, a, an Allardyce or a, mm. or a Pardew appointment. Mm. Um, I think there's maybe a little more to it than that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that second 45 at Wigan kind of showed a few aspects that I was initially hopeful that, that Hughes would be able to bring. And now, obviously, it's just about stringing that together for, for the final few games of the season. Yeah, and Lucy, I mean, I think quite often this season we've spoken about not necessarily the talent within the squad, more about the attitude. So he, he does seem to, as, as Aidan said a minute ago, someone that's got that aura about him. I mean, we've all seen the training videos. I know Adam said that they can pretty much turn up the, the, the volume on it. It makes everyone a new manager and everyone sounds like it's a fantastic training sessions. But I think just, you know, looking from the outside in, the training sessions have seen a bit more um, intensive. And, uh, you know, we all we all heard the clip of him talking to Jeremy PA and saying, if you're in trouble, knock it forward, don't pass pass it backwards, all those sort of things that you want to probably hear. So, you know, we didn't get a chance to really speak to you about Mark Hughes either. So were you surprised, pleased, concerned, all of the all of the above or what? I think it's a very reasonable appointment in the circumstances we find ourselves in. I think there were some quite unreasonable expectations amongst our fan base about who we could recruit from the position we're in. And also, we're not in a position where we can make a risk about a foreign manager without experience in this league mm. because we need instant results um, and we don't have any space for a bending in period so you need someone that knows the league intimately and Mark Hughes clearly, clearly does um, and I think you know you're right the mood has been very positive um, Hoybier in that post-match interview talked about you know having a manager with his playing career being quite a kind of boosting motivational um, aspect for the players you know there's a lot of respect you feel for him um, and Hughes did seem surprised at the kind of lack of intensity um, at the training ground before he arrived and that seems to be something he can change quickly making a more intensive training program quickly uh, as we saw under um, Pochettino is not necessarily a hard thing to put in quickly so um, no I think clearly it's not the kind of um, appointment that will get people um, excited as such but I think it's one that will have a positive impact you know the kind that we need and it'll be reviewed in the summer I would guess. And just finally before we sort of move on just finishing on the uh, the FA Cup run and obviously beating Wigan then look, obviously the semi-finals what a month or so away from now we've obviously got some fixtures to play in that that time but do you from your point of view Lucy do you see it as a positive distraction or do you think that players might start thinking about Wembley and taking their eye off the Premier League ball a little bit? I think it's generally positive in terms of the confidence it will have given them um, at a time when we don't have a lot of confidence. You know, that has been a, a, a positive and has given them an opportunity to get wins. Like, as much as Wigan were a challenge in that first half, in the end, that win was much more straightforward than a typical Premier League win. And, and you know, that's, that's a positive thing. The thing that concerned me about the cup run isn't so much um, it being a distraction, but the fact that it will cause changes to the rhythm of the Premier League fixture list mm. because we will have to have fixtures rearranged and that means midweek games as we've already found out and that can be a challenge in terms of fatigue and also kind of preparation and, and mentality and concentration things um, so that is a slight concern um, and I think that has been a problem for teams in our position in the league that have gone deep into cup competitions I'm hoping that the fact that we have a deeper, stronger squad than those typically found in this situation means that we should be able to override some of those complications. Um, but I would think from a mentality point of view, it's a, it's a positive thing. 
Yeah, and I, I thought it was kind of ironic that um, obviously the Leicester game's been moved to the Thursday before the semi-final. Chelsea are playing that night as well, and I think I read something about the fact that it being done was to uh, to keep it fair for everyone, which seemed ironic when you think that Saints had about four games in about five days over that Christmas period a couple <laughs> of years ago. But uh, but there we go. Look, in terms of Chelsea, Aidan, my, my view kind of on the draw was if we avoided Tottenham, we had a decent chance because obviously they've got a pretty talented mm-hmm. squad and they're playing at home. I think Manchester United would have probably been the uh, ideal draw because you know even though they are a massive club. They're not necessarily on the pitch as good as they used to be. Chelsea, probably somewhere in the middle. You know, they're, they're obviously very, very good going forward. I, I think they're pretty inconsistent defensively. You never quite know who's going to turn up. But what was your view on the, the Chelsea draw? Do you see it as sort of a, a winnable game or a tough fixture or both? Well, I've got to be honest, out, out of all the games, it was the one that I, I wanted most. Yep. Um, I, there was no way in hell that I wanted to, to play Spurs. Mm. Um, I feel like we'd just get played off the park in that kind of fixture. And I, it's just not what you want to go into. Um, you've, you've got the Mourinho factor as, as poor as things are. United still managed to annoyingly put those results on the board, and you yep. feel like it's one of those he could easily hit you with, with a boring one nil. You know, kill the fun out of the game. And I just feel like Chelsea have got that little more vulnerability about them. I feel like we could we could hit them in a cup game. Um, and you know, if you are going to get to the final, you're going to have to beat one of the best at some point. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it would give us a big boost going into the final. Um, and overall, I feel. You know, Chelsea are going to have to place a bit of priority on the league as well. They've got to really make sure they wrap it up at the uh, the end of the season here. So, I, yeah, relative, I'm I'm relatively happy with the draw. I think it'll be good for Saints as ever going to, to Wembley as underdogs. We, uh, we've we always done quite well, even last year in the League Cup uh, in that sort of scenario, haven't we? So as you say, it was uh, good to beat Wigan. I think it's a good uh, benchmark for Mark Hughes to start his uh, what could be a brief Saints stint. But uh, absolutely for Saints, um, you know, nice to have a, a fixture at Wembley to look forward to. This past week saw Saints announce their 2016-17 financial results, as probably expected by many due to Premier League, Europa League and a cup final appearance last season. Turnover during that period for the year ending 30th of June 2017 rose by £60 million to £182 million. The headlines were very much about Saints' £43.7 million pre-tax profit, which equated to £34.1 million post-tax. Aidan, Obviously, there are a lot of factors that make up football clubs P&L sheets these days. But on the face of it, when you think about uh, where we were maybe 10 years ago and some of the challenges we were going through, we should probably be positive about Saints being so profitable and the, the sort of benefit that should hopefully have on long term sustainability. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's there's no way you, you can't be happy with that. And I think a lot of people do go overboard with the whole throwing about the claims of, of spending ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and I think especially the dark days that we've seen, it's important that we don't lose sight of how important it is to make sure that the club is in that healthy state at the same time you know it's, it's obviously brought up a lot of worries about fans who were saying you know we should have spent more in previous windows um and and largely i would agree i do feel that we you know perhaps should have invested more in particular areas but i mean the bottom line is that this squad at the minute is far too good to be in the position that we're in mm. um so you know in in relative speaking of, of the position that we find ourselves in in talking about relegation I, I feel like it's far too simplistic to just, you know, throw the whole money argument about that. I feel like things run deeper than that. Um, the squad is far better than that. And, and, you know, come the summer, then we can look to, you know, refresh, invest again. But right now, I don't feel like it should be a worry of fans. You know, we've got plenty of players in this squad that, uh, you know, that if other clubs around us were offered our players, um, they'd snatch them in a heartbeat. So I feel like, you know, it's it's 
kind of just making the whole money argument for the for the sake of it. You know, it all runs back to it so often. I feel it's a very simplistic view for for people to take. Adam wrote a really good in-depth piece for the Echo on Friday for anyone that's not read it, where uh, he had um, some analysis of the results. Um, in that, he outlined that Saints had moved from a position of a net debt of 38.9 million in 2016 mm. to have a net cash, effectively money in the bank, of 2.9 million by this end of financial year, 30th of June 2017. Lucy, you know, we all agree that probably football clubs these days, particularly in the Premier League, are first and foremost businesses and football clubs second. So, bearing in mind the board do get a lot of grief, do you think actually they probably deserve some credit for the fact of uh, you know the way they are actually running the, the the football club from a financial point of view i think um the saints fans were all too aware of how badly things can go wrong and and how threatening it can be to your football club when things aren't managed properly um and so yeah i think they do deserve some credit we have to be careful about how much credit we give them purely based on the fact that a huge chunk of our income is based on tv deal which isn't their responsibility as such and is kind of a factor of just being in the Premier League. And I think the significance of TV money um, makes me slightly confused as to why they seemed quite so conservative in, in their approach to spending money over the uh, season. Mm. I do agree that people definitely uh, get carried away with the idea that transfers are the be-all and end-all but I was slightly perturbed by the idea that we were quite clearly doing well financially um, ahead of last summer, and we've been quite conservative. I wouldn't say that we um, intentionally held back, because that promise deal that never came through clearly shows that we had capability and a kind of willingness to spend money. But I was, given how important TV money is to our existence and the way the football club is now run, and how important that will be to the future of the football club. I was slightly concerned that we hadn't kind of attacked the situation more. Yeah. And, and and I think, you know, those feelings that we were being perhaps overconfident or complacent about our situation uh, are kind of perhaps slightly reinforced by the financial results. Um, but broadly, um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a positive thing. Um, and it will just require a slight tweaking, I think, when we've got a new manager or users re-signed in the summer. It's, it's going to be an interesting... I think the, almost the success of that profit is going to probably depend on whether we stay up or go down, isn't it? Because I think if we yeah. do stay up and we made a 40 million profit, then that's going to look very healthy. But it's going to look uh, penny-pinching to a certain extent if we go down. But yeah, Lucy, I was going to, I was going to raise the TV point because, um, as Adam had outlined, it's 78% of our income. So 78% of our overall income is, is, is due to, to TV money, which I guess is a, a sad indictment of sort of modern football, really, in the Premier League. But bearing in mind you look at teams like Everton that have spent 250 million or whatever, it is to try and get into the top six and nowhere near it. Do you, do you think that kind of now almost shows as to why Lucy Saints are maybe just happy to stay in the Premier League? Yeah, I, I mean, it's perfectly understandable that you should try to maintain your main stream of income. But I think, And I think that's why we've seen last season and this season that we've tried to go for the cup competitions because it seems now that almost regardless of how much money you spend without some kind of massive cash injection, you are not going to hit the top six. And when we managed to do so, that was because top teams were underperforming. Yeah. So, it, you know, it makes sense that in the Premier League, you will try to keep things steady uh, and maybe pursue other kind of avenues for success. Because the fact is that while TV money has been great for mid-table teams, 
it's given the top teams even more coverage, even more of a profile to build their own commercial interests. Um, and I thought it was interesting from our financial results is that, as far as I could tell, was it that the commercial income had only gone up th- by about yeah, three million? It had gone up from twelve point two million mm. to fifteen point five million. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I was going to raise that point because uh, I'm trying to keep it positive because I think obviously we need to look at uh, all of it. But yeah, I, I, I noticed because um, I did. A, I, I remembered him talking about it. So Ralph Kruger, Aiden, was uh, named as Saints chairman on the twelfth of March two thousand and fourteen, and he, uh, quoting him here, he said, "Although there is a solid foundation, the club has tremendous untapped commercial potential." For the period obviously ending June 30th, 2017, it had gone up from uh, 12.2 million to 15.5 million, which is only 8.5% of our income. So do, do you think Kruger was maybe trying to be positive from the outset and has kind of realised that we're not necessarily as commercially attractive as he might have thought we are? Or do you think he's potentially failing to deliver on his word? I think partly so. But I mean, at the end of the day, you look at, our, you look at the position that we currently find ourselves in. And it, I mean, that's the product at the end of the day, isn't it? That's the product that we're trying to sell, you know. Yep. And, and if we're in this current position, I mean, the, the reach is obviously going to be far less and, and the amount of money that they therefore will invest in it will, will obviously take the hit as well. Why would you want to invest the same you would if, say, we were knocking on the, the door of the top six mm. as, as when we're currently in, in a relegation battle? And, yeah, you know, going off on to, to Lucy's point as well, what, she's, what she said about uh, the fact that you, you kind of get it both ways. You know, you, you can be happy about the, the TV money that's coming in, but at the end of the day, if you don't, stay up uh you're not going to get the injection for the next year and you know you can be as focused as you want on on just keeping up your your premier league status um but if you don't find that perfect balance between investment at the right stages then obviously you know as you say the 78 percent of that income is is going to take a massive hit for the next year Mm. um and i think that's something that maybe we've grown a little naive about over the past year maybe even two years that, that we think we can penny pinch it a little bit more um and i'm hoping that you know the latter stages of this season kind of gives us that that wake-up call to just reassess it. I don't think we need to overhaul things entirely. Um, I just think it needs to be tweaked, and and we need that reality check. We're not as good as we we think we are, mm. um, and we can't get by with that with that philosophy. And maybe with regards to investment, it's about going back to what we were quite good at in terms of you know our scouting networks and our recruitment mm. ideals. Whereas it seems to me that in January all we did was buy. Pellegrino's man kind of thing. We we kind yeah. of departed from our usual strategy, um, and, and it looks it, it's looking a little bit like we've wasted quite a lot of money to me. It looked a bit of a panic buy, didn't it? I think, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess just on that commercial point, just to finish, then. So you, you look at sort of Under Armour, you look at Virgin Media, in particular, Under Armour, obviously got a very big global brand they've obviously spoken a lot about trying to develop this brand globally and you know obviously they're going to spend a lot of time and emphasis on trying to broaden it out in the Chinese market Lucy I mean from a from a Saints fan point of view I appreciate the commercial aspect is obviously important to the club but to us we're obviously driven by what's out there running around on the pitch really aren't we so do you think they're kind of as Aidan said there I, I mean I my view would be I probably agree they kind of take their eye off the ball a bit with the the most important factor which is the the manager, the team, what's going on on the pitch in, in trying to sort of conquer the world to a certain extent. Yeah, and I think last season we struggled and still managed to get eighth place. Um, mm. Or at least, you know, there were questions about how well we'd performed. And I think perhaps that has also led to this complacency. I think we probably thought, oh, well, even when we have a bad year, we're still, you know, going to be a Premier League team. We feel confident of our Premier League status. And so, yeah, maybe we've put our priorities elsewhere. I think it was quite shocking for a number of Saints fans. 
I, I can't remember the exact result. It, it was certainly a defeat, and we had uh, Gao and Kruger in China or something doing Liv- something, and everyone was it Liverpool yeah. game, yeah. Was it Liverpool? Yeah, yeah. and it, it seemed a bit like you know, are you aware of the gravity of the situation at home? If you're, I mean, it looks like they're kind of gallivanting a bit. Do you know what I mean? It looks mm. like they're not they're not there facing the reality of the situation. And at a time when we felt the whole thing was kind of drifting out of control, that certainly wasn't a good look for the for the leadership, I didn't think. Mm-hmm. And just, just finally then, just on the, the financial results, something that I was keen to just get both of your views on, bearing in mind there's a lot of chat around it, is um, ticket prices. Again, obviously we know that football these days, particularly in the Premier League, is a very expensive day out. Um, again, in Adam's analysis, he spoke about the fact that match day experience, which is sort of you know fans buying tickets for the match, food, all those sort of things, really only equates for 12% of the income overall. So... When you sort of think about what's been happening at uh, St Mary's over the last 18 months in terms of underwhelming performances, there hasn't necessarily been any announcements about season ticket prices and things like that yet. I guess mm-hmm. partly because they're waiting to see, Aidan, which league Saints are going to be in. But do you think Saints sort of need to, bear in mind they've just announced <laughs> record profits, at least be looking to, to freeze the, the season ticket prices if they're not going to um, decrease them, which is probably very unlikely in this day and age? Yeah, well, you know, I was going to say let alone about freezing i'd love to see it decreasing you know they they spoke about the how happy he would be to have that that percentage rise from from branding abroad and such but that money shouldn't be there to just be sat in the bank that should be seen as three million that the club can then go you know nice we can reward the fans and, and take a hit perhaps on the match day experience you know you say that accounted for for 12 percent you know why not drop that down to to a nine percent say and, and use that extra money that, w- that was funded elsewhere. That should be reimbursed into the fans. And that's where the, the open line of communication, I feel, so many fans have felt that they've grown distant between the club. Um, little acts like that, that that would mean so much to the fans will, will damage the, the club so in such a small manner. It, I'm saying damage. It wouldn't even damage them. They, they can mm. afford to, to make an investment like that. Yeah. And, and for something that will only cost them a matter of, of a few million, um, you know, the kind of money we wouldn't even spend on a player these days would would have such a big impact on fans' lives at the weekend. Um, it would have a big impact on on the atmosphere at St Mary's. I'd have no doubt about that. Uh, you know, and just the relationship between the club and the fans. To me, it would just seem as even for the PR side of it. Surely they can even see the business side that that's a a, a brilliant idea to get the fans on board. And and especially at a time when the ratings at the the, the higher forces at the club. A particularly low I'd say on average amongst the fan base you know something like that an idea like that something that they can reward the fans with um, almost even as an apology for the past year or yeah. two um, would just be brilliant for the fans yeah Lucy from your point of view I mean I guess the more I sort of think about it the more you sort of wonder how much fans really matter to, to Saints these days in terms of pound signs because 12% is really not a lot so you know do they care whether they get 20,000 in the door do they care whether they get 30,000 and I'm sure they do care but again you, you know you almost start to wonder really whether it really comes into much of their thinking about what they're charging fans and, and how many turn up. I think it should come into their thinking just because this season, people have often described, I mean, I haven't been able to get to St. Mary's very often, unfortunately, because of the distance, but um, people have often described quite a toxic atmosphere where the fans will turn quite quickly if things are going badly. And actually, quite frankly, I can totally understand that. If they feel they're paying for a certain standard of play and and they're probably stretching themselves financially, personally, and they're not seeing 
the type of performance that they are being charged for. And if you feel that you are being stretched and, you know, it's a big expenditure for you, then of course you're going to be frustrated when the football isn't what it should be. And perhaps the high ticket prices have put an extra pressure on on performances and on the atmosphere. Um, and although perhaps attendance isn't a huge issue in terms of the finances, the fact is that a lot of home games will be on television and it does not look good for a club who is trying to sell itself as a commercial aspect if the stadium isn't full um, and isn't you can't hear it and there isn't evidence of it. And I, I think there is a positive kind of PR point here about putting fans first and showing that you're engaged with the people that effectively keep your club running. And if you want to grow a brand and grow a fan base, that is surely important. Mm. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the 30th of June 2018 is not a million miles away, so obviously we're a, a good way through this financial year. As I mentioned, I think um, a lot of that, um, whilst it could be healthy profit, would probably come down to whether Saints stay in the Premier League or not. But when you think about it, we've obviously got a new owner with, uh, we assume, a new strategy. We don't actually know because he's never really communicated with us at all. But uh, we've got that. We've got the 75 million sale of uh, Van Dyke to obviously go in there as well. So TV money on top of that, it could... Uh, you know, somehow, even though that was a record-breaking year, you kind of wonder whether this year, Aiden, even more record-breaking than that one. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, I mean, it could get quite all quite awkward if uh, we do actually <laughs> get relegated with that Van Dyke money coming in and, and all of those factors. But, yeah, I think I think come this summer, um, it should just be seen as a positive thing. Um, I'd just love for the club to be able to build a connection with the fans again um, and, and just reface everything. From, from this summer in that sense um, communication it, it really has to go to go up um, and kind of got to meet the fans halfway with with a number of things you know we're at a big period now where we've obviously had the, the two managers back to back that have fallen um, and we've done something that's very out of the Saints character in in appointing a manager on a, a short-term basis like that um, so I think you know when you, you've you've clearly steered so clear away from from what you're about um, and the, the things that you pride yourself on, um, I think it's about at that time you've got to take a look at yourselves and, and reevaluate um, what's going on. And I think that's that's something that's definitely got to happen this summer. Next up for Saints is a trip to the ever-hostile London Stadium and West Ham United. To be fair, they're probably more hostile towards their own team and their own owners than they are towards the opposition, but there we go, I digress. Um, Lucy, Adam's not here, as, uh, as I mentioned, but uh, are we allowed to say that this one's a must-win? <laughs> he does hate you when you say must-win, so he I think we should, both yeah, all, yeah. we should all agree that it's definitely a must-win game, <laughs> a six-pointer, and everything he'd hate me to say. Um, yeah, no, um, it's a really important game. I think particularly given the atmosphere around West Ham at the moment and, and their own struggles, um, it's particularly interesting that we should play them now with a new manager. And I do wonder if the idea that we were about to play West Ham was part of the thinking when we changed manager. Mm. Um, and it, I think it will be incredibly important to start positive um, to, to kind of get on top of them early. I mean, not that it isn't important in any game, but particularly important this one, yep. because I think, as you mentioned, um, the boot is clearly quite sour there. If we are able to exert pressure, I can see the atmosphere turning quite nasty for those West Ham players mm. and things playing into our hands. So I think that's got to be the, the objective. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at their last three Premier League games, obviously they've had a, a break now as uh, as everyone else has, but they lost 4-1 at Liverpool, they lost 4-1 at Swansea, then they lost 3-0 at home to Burnley, and as we saw uh, the uh, the consequences of what happened there, which was pretty shameful. Um, so do you, do you think, I mean, obviously the break's going to play probably a bit of an impact in terms of them potentially getting their ducks in a row again, uh, Aidan, but do you think we're possibly getting them at a good time, bearing in mind, as Lucy says, if we can get that first goal, things could turn quite nasty for them? Yeah, Ben, all I want to see is corner flags on the pitch. Definitely. That's all I want to Definitely. see. All four corner flags <laughs> on the centre. Yeah. Every, uh, the, I would absolutely love if we could get an early goal and, and the fans get behind them and, and the play, you know, we've gone, gone with yet another positive lineup. I feel like this game is, is largely going to be about the psychological factors. Which mm. team has their, their game heads on? Which team's going to be rocked by the first goal? Which team's going to be unfazed by the atmosphere? Um, and you know, as you said, I, I, you know, sacking Pellegrino before the West Ham game, I, th- I think, I'd, I think that was probably their their main consideration. Um, the last thing you want to do going into a game where you could potentially take advantage of their hostile atmosphere is bring your own hostile atmosphere to the game. You need that boost, and we've been given exactly that boost under Hughes. Um, yeah, if we if we could hit them with an early goal, um, start positive, as Lucy says, another positive lineup. Um, the fans right behind the team from kickoff. You know, I think the West Ham fans will take any possible excuse or any of the first, you know, instance that they have uh, mm. on that weekend to to be moaning at the owners um, to create a hot style atmosphere. Um, and that's something our players will absolutely revel in. Um, mm. You know, the must win game kind of term it can be thrown around a lot, but I, I mean, this is really as this run in comes in and we've got a hard set of fixtures. This is a game where we really, really have to pick up three points yeah. um, for the back-to-back wins as well. I mean, that's something yeah. we haven't. I think we've only done once this season, if if at all. Mm. Um, and yeah, that'll be big confidence for the squad. It'd be nice to pick up like a nice little unbeaten run, even in those tougher fixtures. A few gritty little draws. Yeah, that's that'll be someone that really spurs us on. And I, I don't really want to think of what would happen if we're on the uh, end of a West Ham win. Yeah, and, he, and that's where Hughes' experience will come in because he'll he'll know that that uh, things will turn nasty if Saints can get up and at them at the start. Um, you, you quite often write some very good opinion pieces, Aidan. So what have you kind of made of West Ham? Because they've obviously gone from you know a few years ago being one of the diamonds of English football to, to really quite an ugly football club in terms of the environment and that sort of thing over the last two, three, four seasons. So what have you made of it all? Yeah, I think it's just a one of a club that's just lost sight of their ways. Um, again, you know, we spoke already tonight about the issues of, of owners not being able to speak and communicate with their fans enough um I, first of all you've got some absolute nut jobs in in charge at the higher forces at the club there <laughs> yeah. um but you know just poor recruitment in in so many areas you know numerous players that are coming in solely for the paycheck too many players who genuinely do not care about that club any last bit um too many loan players coming in just so many issues within that squad it's just uh, they need our reface, uh, you know, that n- not enough players in the squad that can kind of unite them, not enough players that understand what, you know, is, is really being uh, strived for there. Um, and it, I mean, it's a, it's a relatively sad thing to see um, because, I mean, we'd absolutely hate to see our, our club in, in such a sorry state. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, this weekend I couldn't care less. I mean, we've just got to go all guns blazing for it. Yeah. And from Saints' point of view then, Lucy, as you mentioned earlier on, Mark Hughes will have had, by the time they rock up for the game, two weeks to work with the, the squad, certainly those that haven't been involved in uh, international fixtures. So looking at it from his point of view, a chance to increase confidence, start to work on a few things in training. So 
I guess when we think about, as Ada mentioned, the, the the decision by Saints to make that change, very much with hindsight, I guess, that he can have two weeks there to really get them all together and start to sort of really go there with a proper game plan and a, an idea of how they're going to win the match. Yeah, um, and we didn't have that many go on international breaks, did we? And of those that went, Davis and Bertrand obviously came back. Yep. Um, so I would think that he's got the majority of the group to work with. Um, and yeah, a great opportunity to build on that win i was quite surprised that we didn't have one of those behind doors friendlies things mm, that we've had fulham. in previous we've seen a play that well, every no. time yet <laughs> well yeah not not the terry fulham but any anything <laughs> yeah you know, i thought there would be something to give them a bit of kind of match uh preparation yeah yeah, yeah. particularly if we're looking at maybe austin not necessarily starting but having some kind of um impact on the game and you know he would be needing minutes because basically we need him to start scoring goals really quickly um i'm looking forward to seeing what he has you know had the opportunity to prepare if things don't go well though i am really scared for us really (laughs) like intimidated by by what might come because the thing is this is kind of the old six pointer in the sense that we you know this isn't just we've lost it's they won and uh, and we'd be in real trouble. And this was one of the few fixtures, um, looking at this run-in, that we thought we had a good opportunity of getting something out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as I want to be positive and say, yeah, we're going to have a great impact and, and start on the front foot, if things were to go bad, then um, we could be in real trouble. Yeah, and Lucy, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Austin there as well. I mean, that's just that's one player I just want to see get back in this side. I mean, that's a player there who's throughout his entire career has always thrived in in being kind of the, the star man, the saviour to come back into the side and rock up and, and absolutely do what Charlie Austin does best. And that's feed off of scraps, uh, play nasty um, and, and really come through when it matters. I mean, if you can score 18 goals in, in that QBR side that mm. that couldn't create chances to save their lives. And, you know, he's still our top goal scorer, having played you know, a third of the minutes that any of our other centre forwards have played. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, it's a huge boost for Charlie coming back into the side. And one thing I'd love to see is Charlie starting and, and with Gabby Adini in the side as well. I mean, Gabby Adini, he's, he's been watched by Hughes for, for a number of years. I think we've seen on across a couple of transfer windows that he, uh, he tried to pip us to his signing when he was at Stoke. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's one of the reasons why he put Gabby Adini on penalty on penalty duty at the weekend as well. Maybe, you know, getting that first goal um, and kind of put the arm around the shoulder and say, right, you're going to be my talisman for the rest of the season. Um, really gutting he didn't bury that. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you if, if Hughes can find a way to to get Austin and, and Gabby Adini starting on the pitch at the same time, uh, that's huge for Saints because, I mean, that's play, two players there that if you can get them clicking in the side, that's that's 10-plus Premier League goals from both of those. And, and for a while now, we've, We've had team selections and team sheets where you look at that side and there's only one player in that team who you think could get 10 goals. Yep. Um, a, a number of them that, that won't even hit five in the in the current Premier League season. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think at, at the bottom, you know, w- we've struggled to score goals. And at the end of the day, I think Hughes is just going to do all he can to find as many goal scorers and fit them on that pitch as possible. Yep. Um, and I think from here on, Austin and Gabby would be my... Uh, 
my selection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, obviously, he's got a very good relationship with uh, Charlie Austin, hasn't he, from his time at QPR and those sort of mm. things. And to be fair to Korea, I mean, uh, you know, he didn't look particularly good at Wigan. I, I thought actually, for what I did see at Newcastle, he was pretty much the only one that put any effort in, to be honest. But I think you've got to think that Charlie Austin is going to come back into the team, and it could well be his goals that are the difference between us uh, going down and staying up. But you're right, Lucy. I mean, looking at the fixture list, you win that game against West Ham, you go one point above them. You've then got Arsenal away, Chelsea at home, Leicester away. You lose that game. You you're five points behind West Ham you've got Arsenal away Chelsea at home Leicester away so that, that, that there's so much riding on that game that because you could arguably if they can win at West Ham you could see them going to Arsenal and frustrating Arsenal and getting a result but likewise if they lose and the confidence is down you know you, you never quite know which Arsenal team's going to turn up likewise you never really know which, which Saints team's going to turn up yeah and that, that, that really has put the pressure on unfortunately mm. um, but in terms of dealing with that pressure you know, I think it's exactly right what Aidan was saying about Charlie Austin. It's not only the fact that he is great at dealing, you know, with scraps and, and getting the best he can out of not a lot of service. It's the fact that essentially he is he's got a bit of an ego, you know, he's got a bit of self belief, he's got a bit about him. Yeah. He will not be at all uh, intimidated by the idea of of being our go to man. And I think perhaps his injury, as frustrating as it's been, will signal to him that, you know, perhaps our current problems, he, he doesn't identify with them in the same way because he hasn't been, mm. you know, as implicated in them. Yeah. You know, and it's him coming back maybe to kind of rescue us, I think will be something that appeals to him, you know, and the kind of personality he is. Yeah, be the hero. Um, and I think absolutely this, yeah, yeah, and this um, this change to 442, I'm assuming, is the fact that Hugh sees that partnership that, you know, Aidan was talking about that, Gabby Dini Austin partnership, mm. and and if it can get working quickly, that they're, they're a great blend of different skills. Um, and I, and I do know what you said about Carrillo in the sense that he did actually try at Newcastle, which I'm not sure many did. Mm. <laughs> but the fact is, at Wigan, I didn't see any evidence of any kind of understanding or relationship or chemistry no. uh, between Carrillo and and Gabby Dini. And so you just hope that there is something more to the Austin Gabby Dini partnership than there was there and you know there's good reason to believe there will given that Gabby Dean and Austin have been at the club much longer and will have trained together you know several times and so there is at least something hopeful in that idea yeah. more so than Carrillo who you know I really respect because he clearly does have a lot of lot of effort to give but from what we've seen so far, doesn't really have a goal threat. Agreed, yeah, no, agreed. And I, I guess when you look at sort of Saints and the maybe some of the luck in inverted commas that Pellegrino had, Aidan, you, you look at Mark Hughes now, he's got Austin back, hopefully, coming coming back. Steve Davis obviously dropped out of international um, mm-hmm. sort of call-up, and but he was very much training because he was in the videos last week training with the team. So he's clearly been training for 10 days by the time West Ham comes up. We've not seen Bertrand, but again, he dropped out of international duty fairly early on. So you would imagine he's going to be back training this week. So you kind of wonder whether the stars are aligning a little bit. I'm trying to be really positive here, bearing in mind what we've just spoken <laughs> about with fixtures. But maybe compared to what Pellegrino had, maybe the stars are starting to line in that we're starting to get our best players back and he's going to have a full week now to, to sort of work with those that are in and around the club and uh, as, as we said sort of earlier on you know maybe can hit West Ham with a, a team that really know what they're doing and well drilled have got that confidence and uh, have, have got a game plan and we're in control we're not being reactive that maybe we were under Pellegrino yeah I think I mean we at this stage we've just got to take any hand we can get like that um, and it's, it's a big couple of weeks for, for our centre forwards to maybe you know for, for Hughes to watch on um, see which players have got that little bit of chemistry about them. 
Um, and, and it's all about creating that partnership. I mean, it, we haven't got to play particularly pretty from here till the end of the season. Um, but, you know, if we can create that effective strike partnership, it's, it's only got to be basic. When you've got players of, of Austin and Gabbiadini's talent, uh, I mean, it's only got to be a basic system to, to get both of them firing. Um, and I'm, I'm slightly encouraged by, even though, as we say, Carrillo done little um, in that Wigan game, I'm encouraged by the role that he was taking because it, it all it screams to me is that I, I saw that and I thought Austin can do a better job here. Mm. Um, and instantly that was on my mind. You know, the positions that, that Carrillo was taking up in relation to, to Gabby Adini, letting Gabby Adini float a little more. Um, I think it's going to really suit Austin's gritty style. Um, someone, you know, Austin loves to go shoulder to shoulder w- with his man and he loves to, you know, beat his man physically rather than take them on. Um, and that's something for all of, you know, the praise that Carrillo got prior to moving here. We haven't just seen that yet. And that's something that, you know, when, when Austin comes back from an injury, say, or, you know, your side's in trouble, you, you're guaranteed to get that from him. And yeah, if, we, if, if we've, you know, Austin's back in full training now. So if we can create that, that strong partnership going into West Ham um, and they could get firing. Um, I mean, that's going to give us that huge boost. And as you say, the fixtures there, we, we're going to need every slice of luck. Um, we're going to need every little morale boost that we can pick up. Um, and, and, you know, you take into consideration Austin's just back. We picked up a big result at Wigan. We got the new manager bounce. You know, if if we can get that win at West Ham, things are all suddenly pointing in the right direction. As you say there, with players coming back early from, from international duty as well. I mean, that, that those are little boosts that all really do add up at this time of the season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Christ, do we need them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and just just sort of finally, Lucy, thinking about the the game plan. I mean, Saints have obviously been commended up to a certain point over the last years for playing attractive football. I think we've lost that element a little bit the last eighteen, twelve months. But do you think they? You know, you sort of think about West Ham. Obviously, they're they're built to defend balls in the air. But you think about what Hughes was doing at Stoke with the likes of Crouch. He's obviously sort of looking at Carrillo and Austin as target men. And, and you mentioned right at the start about a bit more long ball football at Wigan, which is you know, there's always a time and a place for long ball football. But do you think Saints may, maybe need to get a little bit more ugly in the way that they play and sort of a little bit more kick and chase, lump it up, lump the balls into the box, get in and around the striker and all that sort of thing? Yeah, um, it doesn't really matter at this stage how we play football. You know, it, it's the results that matter. Um, and I don't think we'll have any kind of philosophical questions about you know is this the way we play football because the the fact is we we just need to win i expect hughes in this kind of game to keep things quite um snappy quite physical in midfield i wouldn't be surprised if we saw romeo come back into the team to give us a bit more um in that area yeah and i and whoever is playing whether that be carrillo or Austin, depending on fitness, I yeah, I would expect us to to try a few unattractive punts upfield. Um, I will be slightly c- concerned about that just because I don't think Carrillo's shown that he's particularly good in a duel. Um, and I think that was something that Wesley Hoop found challenging when he first came to England. That despite mm. having an excellent record in Serie A for duels, um, he hasn't really had that same aerial impact. And and I think Carrillo is finding quite something quite similar um so that may slightly impair how we play but i expect things to be generally much more physical than they've been before partly because i expect us to take more risks with the ball which will inevitably mean more 50 50s and and a greater need to win back possession um but yeah no i don't i'm not really intimidated by the idea of playing ugly football because if that's what gets us results 
that's what it has to be um but i would expect with this kind of intensity that we've talked about and, and this positivity i would think that that would be a challenge that the that the players would would step up to perfect right let's put everyone on the spot and do our uh, as i say i always call them ill-fated predictions but uh, as adam leach proved uh, last time out even uh, some people get lucky sometimes um lucy ladies first what do you reckon the score will be at west ham i'm optimistically saying a 2-1 saints win 2-1 saints win excellent i always write these down for some reason i don't know why but there we go 2-1 saints win excellent um aiden what do you reckon any better than that i'm gonna go with 2-0 is my prediction yeah but if Austin's back in the side, I'm going to go 3 0. And I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll even go as far to say an Austin brace. Yeah, I'll take 2 0, yeah. Aidan. That's fine. That's fine. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, good stuff. Um, look, I, I know Lucy's expecting me to say Saints are going to lose. So, I'm not going to say that Saints are going to lose. But I don't want to go too far the other way and say that Saints are going to win. So, I'm going to go for a, uh, a tight and nervy, doesn't really help anyone, one all draw. So, that's what I'm going for. Please, no. Please. That would be the last thing we could deal with. Yeah. I think um, the thing is, you see, I, I think that's the. We've spoken about that so many times this season, um, Adam and I have. You know, you'd rather see Saints lose a game by having a go than draw a game by not having a go. And I think we've seen so many nil-nils and one-ones and things like that where they've just sort of... It's just fizzled out, hasn't it? And I think that's the mm. thing, as you say. I, I, I would love... Obviously, I want Saints to win. Of course I do. But... Uh, I really hope it's not 1-1 for the fact that I'd almost, and this sounds silly, I'd rather lose 2-1 because we were having to go trying to win the game and you sort of think fair enough than uh, than that not happening. But yeah, there's there's so much riding on it, isn't there? I'd normally agree with the idea that I'd rather them go for a win and not get a draw. But I feel like if we were to, you know, you're saying they lose because they've gone for a win. Well, the fact is a loss is, is disaster. Uh, mm. 1-all is bad, but a loss is really, really, really bad. So... Normally, I'd have said, you know, draws, I'm fed up with them. Please don't let them happen. But I think as much as they, they, they have been the bane of our season, the loss here would be awful. Yeah. In my mind at the moment, though, I mean, a draw, a loss, it, I mean, it's the same kettle of fish at the minute. It's going to do the same thing. I mean, Well, I just think draws, that West Ham can't don't... pull away from you if it's a draw. Yeah. Match, I mean. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. I'm, that is true, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's just that just that feeling, wouldn't it be? I mean, especially going into the run-in. I mean, that's the thing. We're picking up not only results for for that one game week. We're picking up results to give us the boost for the next three game weeks. You know, mm-hmm. to keep our head up. You know, that's that's the most important thing here, because I mean, this you know, you pick up that win at, at West Ham, and we've got three very difficult fixtures there. But you know, you go in with the right mindset there. It could be a gold mine. I mean, we pick up a couple of wins there, and all of a sudden things are looking healthy and. We've only got to pick up one more win for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying we should go yeah. for a draw, by the way. I was oh, just no. saying that a loss <laughs> no, I, would be I, really, um, really bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be... I don't even want the, the meltdown on Twitter. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks as always for listening to Total Saints Podcast. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and or Facebook simply by searching for Total Saints Pod. You can also send us an email at totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com, which Shane in Oakland, California did recently. So shout out to you, Shane. I know you listen to every podcast and it's very much appreciated your email was to Adam and myself. My thanks also to Lucy and Aidan for joining the podcast this week. You can follow Lucy on Twitter if you're not already, at Lucy Heinert. You can also follow Aidan at Mr. Aidan Small and or his Fresh Saints account, which is at Fresh Saints. Until next time, Saints fans, keep marching in.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.